You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. In March 2001, I was on my way to the first international poetry festival held in Chile after the overthrow of Pinochet's military dictatorship. A friend handed me James Scully's Raging Beauty, poems from the tragedy of the CIA-sponsored coup that had crushed Chile's socialist hopes and murdered many. On my return, I began searching for other books by this poet of fierce imagination and skill. In my search, I also discovered his book of essays, Line Break, Poetry as Social Practice, published by a small press already defunct. There were very few copies around. Another poet said she'd been buying them up for her students. Later, Curbstone Press brought Line Break back in print. For me, that book came like a message washed up in a bottle. Its challenge to what poetry actually can be, has done, might do, under the chokehold of illegitimate power and its silencings of truth, here and elsewhere. I've gone back to it when I felt my own resolve drifting. In Jim Scully's recent collections, The Apollo Helmet and Donatello's Version, there's both raging beauty and social practice. He's been a university teacher, playwright, translator, kept his artistic integrity and intellectual engagement, and he's still doing it. So thanks to Poetry Santa Cruz and the Capitola Book Cafe, he's here in this room. <laughs> Bien hecho. And that was a powerful reading. Okay, you can hear me. Uh, The first poem I'll read is called Donatello's Version. Uh, Donatello's uh, David is most unusual. Most images of David are mythic, uh, and they're impenetrable. Uh, So they catch his victory at the moment of victory, but the moment is never the moment. The thing about Donatello's uh, uh, bronze uh, David, he has another one, marble, is that it's, it's pensive, it's introspective, and what it does is admit history into the myth, the mythic image, and that's really what this is about. Donatello's version is unexpected, The boy, David, shamelessly naked, one adorable leg cocked at the knee, nonchalant, vulnerable, soft-bodied, 
A true killer, he wears his helmet like a bonnet, its pointy peak garlanded with laurel leaves. The kid's a winner. Little penis, big sword, standing astride the craggy-winged head of the giant, Goliath. Goliath's head is peaceful. His death, like any death, is restful, untroubled by desire or regret. David's skin glistens obscurely under a patina of melancholy. What's wrong with him? He should be dancing up and down with joy. Poor David, the good guy. Victory is the worst thing that could befall him. In the glass of this great victory, through the loathsome mist of world weariness, he sees himself becoming King David. See strings of victory twining into distance with strings of defeat, how he will conquer and flee, how puff himself up to hide, how he will dance around the sociopathic Saul, how marry, sire, beget betrayals, adulteries, murders, torture, prisoners raked through the brick kiln, a weakness for poetry will have him writing psalms again and again. For all he has won by this great victory is his own disaster. His family, his kingdom, his people tearing apart and apart. He will go through life eating flesh by the fistful, choking on shadows in the improbable blood of this great victory, he sees all this and is famished. Uh, in the early days of the, 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 this, the long war we're in, still in the middle of or whatever, um, uh, the so-called war on terror. It, it, it was so abstract that just the thought of it uh, did funny things. I mean, it became a mode of perception because it wasn't attached to anything really. And this is just something that, that happened uh, downtown in San Francisco, just a moment, um, a woman running by. It's called Woman in Black Shadow Running. The head held so high it tilts back a balancing act, running, eyes watery, watering. Like the girl in Vietnam last century, only yesterday, still with us in a famous photo, out of her element still, throwing her head back the same way, running naked, trailing napalm vapors, too wispy to be visible. This one is not naked, though. This is no girl. The other was slender. This is round, soft, 50-ish. This has a homely oval face wrapped head to toe in black fabric. This is 2003. This is this century running from nothing anyone can see, 
from no napalm by Macy's on O'Farrell Street. With no neck running, no shoulders, fists tucked up under her chin, head into body streaming its unbroken shroud, like a fish out of water, limbs fanning, gasping, beating its sides, the eyes of the fish wide with feeling, preposterous feeling, as though a bomb has dropped on O'Farrell Street. poem I consider related has to do with uh, the early days of the Iraq invasion. And there was an embedded reporter uh, who was reporting very accurately what he saw, but he didn't know what he was really telling us. Uh, it was interesting. poem is called The Donkeys, and the first line is from the report. The donkeys scream, but they don't run. To the war reporter on the scene, it makes no sense. Foolish beasts, donkeys. Beasts of burden with no burden but being here. A swarm with war machines in the waste of Iraq. Soulless beasts, lacking the faculty of reason. Too stupid to run. Too shaggy to think there's somewhere to run to. I too must be stupid, still here with no reason. Another dumb animal stuck with the sense that all is not lost, even as all is lost. The stubborn feeling as all goes bad, the stubborn feeling we're still here on our tiny feet, our droopy eyes, black crescents, veiling and unveiling all the soul there is, although in fact, there is no soul. There is hope for us, although there's no hope. The situation is hopeless. As the reporter leaves that place, the donkeys are still screaming. One other from, uh, from the city. <clears throat> As, as, as you notice, we, we, we no longer have political representatives, but we have lots of gods. And uh, as gods do, they produce wonders, uh, miracles, except for Lazarus. It is a fact we die. It is also a fact, however old we die, the correct age for resurrection, theologically, uh, but humanly too, is 33, the prime of life, the age Jesus died and lived again, like a corn god, historically documented, a god in a time like this time. Except for Lazarus, wretched in rags, no one is resurrected into decrepitude, no one except in a time like this whose gods resurrect only Lazarus, the walking grave. Lazarus on Lazarus, faceless heaps of urine and blanket grease bundled in doorways. Human beings burrowing for warmth like so many despoiled holes in time. 
By such signs we see the gods of our time bring death to life. That is the miracle. One other one about gods. <clears throat> Uh, called Isaac. Uh, the, the story of Abraham and Isaac, there's one in the Bible, but there are different versions of it, uh, ancient as well as modern. Uh, biblically, of course, the key is the angel interceding before Abraham does what he's going to do. But the fact is, the angel's a red herring because as soon as Abraham decided to do this, it was over. The job was done. Isaac. It's not true Isaac was an innocent. Who could survive such innocence? He knew on the instant he'd been set up as a sacrificial lamb or goat or adolescent ram. The kindling he gathered, the stake, the ropes, the homely paraphernalia, all were ready, waiting, their silence calling to him, like old Kronos' hairy mouth tearing itself open to devour his own sons. So Abraham himself, knife in hand, waiting by the God's command, stood calling him to the pyre, hurry, hurry, to run the knife across the young animal Isaac's throat. And yet, what was Isaac saying? What was he doing? Dissolving the blade honed to a whisper in Abraham's own blood. The blood of an old man, his own father. Whatever passed then through Abraham rushed blacker than his own blood into bitter earth. This is the true story that may not be told in anyone's lifetime. Surely not in the lifetime of Abraham's God, the God also of Isaac. This is a little more complex. Um, myths of progress have a way of, of, of obscuring the, f the fact that the basics of our reality keep recurring and recurring and recurring. Um, that's one thing. And the other thing is that the past is really always present. We, we never get beyond it. I mean, we are it, too. Uh, this poem... Um, it's about my mother in her last hospital, and uh, she was in a room with a woman named Irene, a very old Italian lady, extremely old. Uh, it's, it's about, I don't know what it's about, uh, <laughs> to tell the truth. It's called Babel. It starts with Hazel, my mother, a factory worker looking to dress up go out, have fun, hollering, screaming, 
threw things, cleaned house like a demon, threw everyone out. You'll be sorry when I'm gone, you'll see. Nothing explained, nothing to ponder, no moral, nothing ever approaching a conversation. It starts with Hazel then, who could be anyone crouched at the edge of the bed like a feral animal. Three pocketbooks on one arm, crumbs scattered, hair crimped in a tight perm, dyed frivolous fawn by Crevelon or Clairol. Who is this person? If looks could kill, I'd be wounded. The place reeks of bodily fluids at war with antiseptic solutions. I don't know how I got to this party. I'm not working overtime. Factory or party, whatever, she wants out, a ride home, shoving the walker like a balky child. No one want money? What's the matter with them? Waving a $5 bill, the tiny flag she counts on to get her out of here. If she makes it to the far door, an alarm goes off. Behind the screen, Irene, a fetal curl, dying of nothing but old, babbling, gargling, oh, oh, ah, like a rock slide. Old means something falls away from you and keeps falling. History is shit. How did we ever leap into speech? Or did it break out like a ruckus spilling into the street? Regardless, it goes on saying, old, exhausted, beating at air, still creeping up on us. Socrates, having drunk hemlock, given unto death beyond death, questions still. His voice tweaks bat-like, sounding us out. Pan, another troublemaker, totally out of control, without a word, still wreaks waves of havoc. Cosmic inertia drags birth screams through dying gasps, hauls death rattles through agonies of rumor where nothing is forgotten, because nothing can be forgotten. The logoria of eternal life goes on and on at a party that is no longer a party. Irene slips into the unquiet stupor we call sleep. Socrates doesn't concern her, nor Greek. It's anyone's guess what she has to do with Pan. She could be his ancestor. For Hazel, English itself is Greek. In the language she speaks, nothing has its own name. Just that thing, that thing there. Arthritic jabber jabbing a crooked finger. Still, she knows a thing or two. Socrates doesn't. She knows she doesn't know how she got to this party. She knows no one in this place will give her a ride home. Hence the family photos banished from the windowsill, the paper bag mashed to the floor, the half box of crackers, the spectacles cast down, damned for abandoning her. Hazel, you can't go home. The house has been sold. And so 
And so what is life is also the abandonment of life. What's left of Hazel's heart muscle flutters to relax in the slipstream of morphine. They call this comfort care, this quiet dying. On this barely four foot, 10 inch female, the factory crumpled hands are monumental. Her thick gray hair, undyed, unmangled, flows away from her face radiating out over the pillow, her ashes falling away from their fury. Irene snores still, through death, life, the hereafter, wadded up in the darkness of life. What are words for? Can anyone really tell one thing from the other without pointing? Or is it blah, 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 all pan all the time, a 24-hour talk show saying nothing real loud and mean? You just know, Socrates, the first and maybe last extractor of human truths from truisms more septic than lies is throwing up his hands. Still, if we could get past English, past Greek, if we could crash eternally collapsed time, the one party we weren't invited to, the party of matted loins, shrieking feeling for God knows what lips, blind, smashing all to bits, dizzied with no regard for anything or anyone, we too might find ourselves losing ourselves. With Socrates, his moral logic, the deft limbs of it, lost in the entourage of the bestial god Pan, crushing sentiment, scattering qualms, families, civilizations, crackers, money, photographs, in one ecstatic, panicked millisecond of Babel. There, in the Babel of awful truth, we might leave be the Irene thing, the toothless mouth hole, dying endlessly of old, gargling ancient gravel beds, might leave the hazel thing that was somebody's mother with three pocketbooks on one arm and no ride home from the party, the factory, the final hospital she never did know how she got to, leave ourselves too, strangers and alone together, who in the end could not tell one from the other the voices were so mixed up. Having shrugged off then language that pushes us along like naughty children, we might meet ourselves beyond the babble of what was called humanity, engaging for sake of argument in pan-Socratic dialogue, making no sense at all, making all the sense in the world, bright children growing old with pan, feeling in our own bones the aching bones of this very minor God, wrapped in his rank skin, suffused with the smell of it, wandering corridors, leaning on our walker, agitated, asking questions too simple for answers, too hard. How did we come to this? Waving the worthless flag, the worthless money of words that lost their meaning, looking for a ride home.
I'll read one more uh, poem, um, The Angel of History. There are lots of poems about the Angel of History, Walter Benjamin, Benamine. Um, the thing about the Angel of History is that the Benjamin's image of it is based on a, a, a painting by Paul Clay, and it's of an angel, the wings up. But this angel, unlike a lot of angels, doesn't have hands and wings. I mean, the wings are the, the whole, they're the appendages. Uh, and uh, in his image, the angel of history is being blown backwards into the future. Blown backwards by the collapse of paradise and the shock waves coming from it. And meanwhile, at the angel's feet is the debris of human history piling up. And the angel wants to help, but the angel can't bend forward because of the wind and the, and the, and the wings. Uh, what's really interesting about this to me is that the very, th the very problem is that this is about looking for a re some kind of redemption from above. But the thing is, the, the very sign of the angel's superiority, the angel's wings, are his disability. The only kind of redemption can come from the, what's piling up, the human debris and history that's piling up from below. And so this is what, this is, tries to deal with that, or provide an image of it. The angel of history, <clears throat> his eyes are staring, his mouth is open, his wings are spread. That's one of them. Blown backwards into the future, he beholds only the past dragging after him. What a catastrophe the furious wind hurls at his feet. Helpless before it, his wings are spread, fanned flat with the sharp snap of terrified sails. How will he fold them feather on feather before the torrent of shock waves from paradise? Him on his wretched wings, helpless to help anyone or anything. What he shouts is spittle torn from his mouth, himself ever only a single breath ahead of where he has been, where even now the surge of broken bodies is breaking over him, filling his eyes, his mouth, his ears with creaturely whispers crushing with love the wings that have caught him up in so much misery. Thank you. Can I get out of here? <laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. <laughs>